Magic Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Marketing Rad Trad, the growing co-influence between paganism and the New Right, by Dr. Amy Hale, with my commentary. This chapter examines the ways in which a variety of allied and intersecting right-wing groups are marketing to pagan and esoteric communities. Most of the groups in question are driven by the philosophical underpinnings of the European New Right, and despite a general coherence of ideology, the political aims of these groups vary greatly and range from regionalists, identitarians, and radical ecologists to radical cultural separatists and white supremacists. The uncertain political and economic climate of the early 21st century has coincided with attempts to further crystallize modern pagan religious identities, which has created an atmosphere in which pagans can be perhaps more receptive to the ideas of the new right, many of which, almost ironically, complement the movements flowering in the counterculture of the 1960s. Right away, I have to make a quick note that complement is misused here. She meant compliment with an E, not compliment with an I. It just is a point that goes to attention to detail. The implications for this convergence can be seen in the increasingly overt radicalization of new right-inspired groups concerned with issues such as immigration and radical environmentalism as they fuse with the longer-standing white nationalist movements. It could be argued that the new right constitutes a more approachable, palatable, and intellectually present form of white nationalism, which has a far wider appeal than the Christian identity. Neo-Nazi skinheads, which are popularly and incorrectly envisioned as forming the bulk of white nationalists. Here I explore the various intersections of the new right thought with contemporary frameworks of both pagan and esoteric communities, ultimately examining the impact of one upon the other. By way of a slight demarcation, despite the historical connection that contemporary Western-style paganism has with the fin de siècle, esoteric occult revival, and the roots of modern paganism within the hermetic traditions, there is nevertheless sometimes a cultural separation between people who self-define as esotericists and pagans today. A number of esotericists participate in broader pagan culture and recognize their historical and cultural affinity, but it is more accurate to consider these groups as interconnected, overlapping, and related, rather than lumping them together in one single group. Some of the ways in which the new, new right and its offshoots are being marketed will appeal more to pagans and some more to the esoteric community, although the producers market to both groups simultaneously. And because of the overlap, I will be addressing both and will make distinctions when necessary. What is the history of the New Right? The New Right is grounded in philosophical principles, primarily developed from traditionalism. Traditionalism is a movement which emerged in the early 20th century and which is frequently associated with a group of European esoteric philosophers, including René Guénon, 1886 to 1951, and Julius Evola. 1898-1974. Uh, 
quick note on a thought I have on the traditionalism thing. It's, it's interesting. You can see the, the a parallel in, in things like Golden Dawn and OTO groups and Masonic groups who um, focus on lineage over current content. Salient features of this movement include a critique of modernity and a belief in a return to a traditional society based on perennial universal spiritual principles which once guided the development and governing of ancient civilizations and which were passed down through initiatory traditions. According to traditionalists, the roots of this tradition can be seen in some latter-day faith systems, most notably those of the East, in Hinduism or Islam, or in Orthodox Christianity. Traditionalists critique modern society as deeply degraded, chaotic, and corrupt, and argue that only through a return to traditional social structures, values, and belief systems can the world be redeemed and returned to a state of divine order. Traditionalism, however, has a number of different iterations. The philosophies of Ganon and Evola, for instance, diverge in terms of their political applications. Ganon has been much more influential in the development of modern Islam, while Evola has provided many of the intellectual seeds of the European New Right and other more overtly fascist subcultures, probably as a result of his relationship to historical fascism in Italy and Nazi ideologues in Germany. Ganon focused ultimately on the redemptive position of Catholicism for Europe and personally embraced Islam, while Evola's work promotes a much older point of reconstruction for European culture, which would obviously be more influential for the pagans supporting the European New Right, particularly those influenced by Alain de Benoit. Much of the European New Right of the late 20th and 21st century has taken its theoretical and strategic direction from the work of Alain de Benoit and French Nouvelle Droit, which emerged in the late 1960s as a response to the European right's apparent decay and lack of effectiveness in the face of left-wing protest. De Benoit has drawn from strategies and ideologies of both the right and the left to promote a vision of European regeneration based on anti-modernism and Evolan traditionalist beliefs about culture and society. The new right ideal is one of radical regionalism, where homogeneous cultural groupings reflect elitist, natural Indo-European social stratification and order. Tamir Baron notes that the New Right has a list of negations shared with historical fascism, among them anti-modernism, anti-capitalism, anti-immigration, anti-materialism, anti-egalitarianism, and anti-Americanism. This is from Baron's Fascism to the Nouvelle Trois, the Dream of Pan-European Empire in Journal of Contemporary European Studies, 2008. An important rhetorical feature of the New Right is the way in which its intellectual base argues against multiculturalism and egalitarianism with recourse to discourses of diversity. Proponents of the New Right maintain that cultural separation increases diversity, as do natural hierarchies. In this way, the New Right rhetorically distinguishes itself from the racism and anti-Semitism associated with historical fascism while still providing the intellectual justification for white nationalism. The focus on ethno-regionalism, who dis also distinguishes the new right from the right-wing organizations such as the British National Front, which are more concerned with protecting the cultural integrity of the nation. The primary characteristics of new right thought and discourse include the belief in a perennial, universal, traditional society and religion, the belief in a golden age to which we have the ability to return, a dislike of capitalism, a critique of the modern condition, a distrust of rational thought, small culturally homogeneous political units, a belief in the restoration of natural social hierarchies and cultural or racial division, a belief in virile masculine leadership, advocating the divine right of kings and theocracy, authoritarianism, a dislike of multiculturalism. Primarily, the New Right is concerned with leveling a critique against the liberalism of the West, characterized by individuality, materialism, progress, and enlightenment, rationalist ideals. The intellectuals of the New Right believe that ethnically homogeneous 
grounded communities organized around natural hierarchies will restore meaning and interconnect and connectedness in Europe and European diaspora communities. Is the new right fascist? There is a great deal of scholarly debate about what constitutes fascism both historically and in the modern sense. It is most certainly a loaded term which evokes emotional and defensive responses and which is frequently popularly used by both the right and the left as a general term of condemnation and abuse. Very similar to how the term racist is being used, not as a defining term today, but as just a weapon. The discourse surrounding the term, therefore, makes it difficult to historically and theoretically situate the policies and practices of the new right and its offshoots because there is a strong desire, in general, to distance the movement from historical fascism. <laughs> no doubt. In fact, there is continuing and heated debate regarding the relationship of Evola, traditionalism, and the new right to fascism, particularly historical fascism, which is defined as Italian fascism and which sometimes includes German Nazism of the 1930s and 40s. We have to remember, of course, German Nazism is a form of socialism and came out of socialism. Nazi comes from the phrase Nationalsozialistgesellschaft, it's the National Socialist Party. So let's not forget that Nazism comes from the left, not the right. Historian of fascism Roger Griffin and Tamir Baron both make very cogent arguments that Evola de Benoit and the philosophies of the New Right absolutely reflect the key ideological underpinnings of fascism and that they also promote a fascist agenda. That's from Michael O'Mara, New, New Culture, New Right, Bloomington Books, 2004. The notes are important in this one. However, proponents of the New Right in Europe, Europe and elsewhere reject any association with fascism, particularly with centralized or authoritarian beliefs and racism. Although this is quite a debated topic as well, many of these emergent fascist, third-positionist, self-ascribed, neither right nor left ideals are not reminiscent of and do not reflect what people popularly conceive of as fascist in that they do not universally include an anti-Semitic element or a racial supremacist element. Rather, the elitism is couched in terms of natural spiritual development, which is reproduced at a local or tribal level through hierarchical structures similar to sacred kingship. In fact, the rhetorical emphasis on maintaining cultural diversity initially appears very leftist. Mm-hmm and hardly fascist at all. Cultural diversity is to be promoted and cherished as long as racial purity is maintained. There's the rub. It's from Robert Paxton, The Anatomy of Fascism, 2004. This, of course, is the perfect rhetorical breeding ground for sophisticated identitarian politics, which are centered on maintaining and promoting homogenous cultural identities. In many ways, however, it can be argued that the new right in its more radicalized manifestations, closely conforms to historical fascism to at least the same degree as many of its post-World War II counterparts. Robert Paxton defines fascism as, quote, a form of political behavior marked by obsessive preoccupation with community decline, humiliation, or victimhood, and by compensatory cults of unity, energy, and purity in which a mass-based party of committed nationalist militants working with uneasy but effective collaboration with traditional elites abandons democratic liberties and pursues with redemptive violence and without ethical or legal constraints goals of internal cleansing and external expansion. That's from Anton Chekhov Stav's Alexander Dugan's in Neo-Eurasianism, The New Right à la Russe, Religion Compass, Volume 3, 2009, page 707. The expansionist aims of most New Right proponents is quite arguable. Most attain to small-scale separate territories. However, there is no doubt that the more radicalized elements of the New Right, such as those associated with eco-fascism and the white nationalism segments, conform to this definition. Certainly, the contemporary Eurasian movement, which derives its philosophical impetus from the new right, is expansionist in nature and also promotes a policy of legislating cultural hygiene to preserve the homogeneity of the Russian population. 
source already given. And I'm going to stick to giving the sources very clearly uh, when they occur because I don't want them to be confused at all with the author's point of view. This is an academic essay that's studying sources rather than promoting a, an agenda. This is a UCLA professor who has got, done a lot of interesting work. I, I go through about five to ten essays before I decide on one to share and interpret for the esoteric world as I do on this podcast. And um, this is the first political one that I've sort of, uh, analysis that I've thought it is appropriate, mainly because I come from a very Cunningham Wiccan background, and I, I'm quite uh, curious about the role that traditional witches have played, especially in their telling me, you know, that my whole spirituality is invalid and a farce, um, which is something, you know, I get told by pretty much everyone for whatever reason they want to come up with whenever anything is discussed in any way, because that seems to be the way these days. Um, you know, let's, let's rather, who, who needs dialogue when we can just, uh, throw stones. <laughs> How is the new right pagan? Good question. There are three aspects of the new right, which are effective in marketing to pagans and esotericists. First are the underlying shared intellectual frameworks and social concerns, which will be covered in more detail below. Second is that generally pagans and esotericists consider themselves to be culturally and socially marginal and are frequently seeking outlets for unconventional social agency, which the activism of the new right can potentially provide. Um, that's from Sabina Magliocco, Witching Culture. Third, the new right is a movement which uses paganism as a way to distinguish its values and tra trajectory from the perceived Judeo-Christian value system, which is believed to underpin contemporary liberal society. Radical traditionalism is a term adopted by pagans to characterize a uniquely pagan approach to the new right. It employs the pagan rhetoric of Evola and de Benoit to attract pagans invested in anti-modernist aesthetics and so-called traditional lifestyles. However, the paganism of de Benoit and Evola is less about the worship of culture-based deities than it is about replicating hierarchical social structures. While de Benoit's philosophies are explicitly pagan in orientation, and he encourages polities to emerge around cultural-based deities, de Benoit, like Evola before him, believes that the pagan worldview of pre-Christian Europe was essentially hierarchical, theocratic, and non-democratic. In fact, de Benoit characterizes the ideal revival of paganism as not literal, as not engaging in acts of devotion or worship of the ancient gods, but in a resacralization of the world, and as a replication and reclamation of the values of ancient peoples, and importantly, the structures of their consciousness. Now then, de Benoit, comment peut en être pain, trans Ermin Benoit, Paris, 1981. In fact, New Right theorist Tomislav Sunik is rather derisive of the notion of an actual, actualized paganism, arguing that revived paganism would detract from serious discourse. The interest here is that is what New Right theorists believe to be deep structural features of the Indo-European culture and psyche. De Benoit uses the trifunctional social theories of Georges Dumazel to support his positions of a national European hierarchy separated into three castes, the priest, the warrior, and the cultivator. That's from Alain de Benoit, Priest, Warrior, and Cultivators, an interview with Georges Dumazel, Tier, Myth, Culture, Tradition, Atlanta, 2002, first published in 1978 in Figaro Dimanche. Therefore, the diversity of European cultures is basically surface level and expressed through colorful folk traditions. On a deeper level, the Dumazalian Indo-European hierarchical society is actually perceived as reflective of an unchanging eternal divine order. The return to this state will result in a smoothly functioning society, low on internal conflict. Pagan leader Stephen Flowers has thus championed the academic field of Indo-European studies as a way of further understanding and promoting the underlying natural social order of Europeans and their descendants. 11. Stephen Flowers and Michael Moynihan, Wisdom of the Wolf Age, a conversation with Dr. Stephen Flowers in New Dawn, March 21st, 2003. Um, I've spoken with Stephen Flowers a few times, and, and I have a lot to say on him, but I'm not going to get into it here. Um, 
it's always different when you talk to the person. And I know his Wikipedia page gets hacked a lot. And uh, I didn't, wouldn't have believed stuff like that until stuff like that started happening to me, which is crazy because I'm a nice guy. <laughs> uh, for the esoteric practitioner who may not be as attracted to folkish pagan aesthetics or cultural religiosity, the attraction to the new rite becomes more rooted in the potential participation in an elite priestly class, entry to which is gained by initiation and which holds the key to transmission of the perennial wisdom. And this is where I have a lot to say, and I have a key issue with the ontological ideas behind a lot of our traditions, the idea that we are initiates and therefore somehow different, or an adept is somehow supreme. I mean, the only adept that there is, there's no ontologically superior adept. Solar initiations, they don't mean that you are ontologically better than other human beings. It's just, it's just absurd. It's the exact opposite of what these things are meant to imply. Traditionally, we know that it's considered in baptism in the, in the Christian tradition that there's an ontological change in the soul. But is that a healthy way of thinking about things? Uh, it leads to this ontotheological idea that there's a metaphysical reality of ultimate perennial wisdom that you either participate in or don't participate in and if you do participate in it you might be elevated to the degree that you are better than other people and that's where this 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 thinking ultimately always leads you're not an adept in humanity you're an adept in a specific tradition you're an initiate of a tradition nevertheless the new right philosophically provides a powerful argument for those who are practicing pagans and importantly, can be interpreted as providing a culturally, socially, and politically legitimate space for pagan religions. As such, the New Rite has been marketed specifically by and for pagans in a religious context under the phrase radical traditionalism, primarily to heathens, pagans with a specific interest in Germanic and Scandinavian traditions, but also to Reconstructionists and pagans with a strong generalized interest in folk traditions, radical environmentalists, and anti-modernism. In fact, the term radical traditionalist appears to have been coined specifically in this framework by John Mitchell in the 1970s. Paul Screeton, John Mitchell, From Atlantis to Avalon, Albion Press, 2010. And has been promoted by a loose network of Evola and New Right supporters working to establish the New Right within paganism and other groups in the United States and elsewhere. While the new right, while the right-wing leanings of some heathen groups are well known, radical traditionalism is an attempt to widen the ideology beyond heathens to other pagans. In the American context, publisher and musician Michael Moynihan, who published John Mitchell's 2005 Confessions of a Radical Traditionalist, along with Joshua Buckley, have been key figures in promoting the use of the term radical traditionalist to an emerging right-wing pagan market. The term radical traditionalism seems to be gaining currency outside of strictly pagan circles, as it has been adopted by some to express a more general Eurocentric and white nationalist paleoconservative, as distinct from neoconservative in the U.S. For that, see uh, www.alternativeright.com. In fact, internet searches of radical traditionalism very frequently reveal a wider application by white nationalist activists. She notes, It may also be worth noting that the Southern Poverty Law Center has reported on the business partnership between Ultra Publisher and Tier Pub, uh, Josh, Joshua Buckley as prominent and prominent Atlanta-based white supremacist and activist Sam Dixon, noting Buckley's past involvement with American neo-Nazis, SPLC, Intelligent Report, uh, Fall 2006, How Sam Dixon Got Rich. In fact, internet searches of radical tradition, yeah, Lee Twy, okay. Moynihan and Buckley also have worked closely with figures such as Germanic pagan Stephen Flowers, who also writes as Edred Thorson, who has also been a promoter and publisher of De Benoit's work under Runa Raven Press, and who has openly expressed the importance of promoting the new right among pagans in the United States. See Stephen Flowers' introduction to De Benoit on being a pagan and Flowers' introduction to Alain De Benoit and Charles Champetier Manifesto for a European Renaissance. Moynihan and Buckley. This conglomeration primar conglomeration's primary, primary modes of outreach are through publishing and music producing, focusing primarily on metal and neo-folk. 
Moynihan and Buckley employ what de Benoit and other strategists within the New Right and other fascisms refer to as metapolitics. They argue that they are engaging in apolitical cultural activity, which is a working to change perceptions in order to shift the nature of society from the ground up. It is not a call to arms, but a call to intellectual engagement. Rooted in Evola's notion of apolitea, proponents of activities exist at what they believe is a higher level of discourse which rises above base political action, what Anton Shikovstov, Shikovstov refers to as a hearts and minds strategy of modern fascism. Charming. Check out Anton Shikovstov's apolitic music, neo-folk, martial industrial, and metapolitical fascism in Patterns of Prejudice, Volume 33, Issue 5, December 2009. New right metapolitical activities are designed to expand avenues of dialogue and to alter the cultural discourse through the dissemination of ideas, but many metapolitical activists deny any direct political involvement. Roger Griffin notes that this tactic allows the new right to keep being from being ideologically pigeonholed, but mostly they are taking pains to not be overtly affiliated with the more overtly revolutionary factions of right-wing culture. Part of the metapolitical program involves creating markets and spaces for the production of new right ideas. The cultural vision here is all-encompassing, involving the production of books on both theory, tactics, and lifestyle, music, spirituality, and even fashion. For pagans and those involved in esoteric subcultures, metapolitical approaches create a variety of cultural spaces which can present attractive lifestyle options without claiming to be promoting any direct political affiliation. The initial metapolitical thrust has been in the republishing and translation of the works of Julius Evola and Alain de Bedouin and making them available to an English reading audience. Evola has been a primary influence, and he penned a number of well-considered works on occult themes, including Tantra, Yoga, and the Holy Grail, in addition to his political writings. Evola's revolutionary framework includes a spiritual essentialization of race and gender, the celebration of the solar male as divine leader, and a dedication to a martial society, where the struggle for dominance continually proves the fitness of the group. For pagans and esotericists, the appeal of Evola is his focus on the spirituality of tradition and the rejection of the perceived shallow materialism of modern capitalism. The return to a traditional order guided by the spiritual principles he outlines, patriarchy, caste, honor, and discipline, will lead to the return of the spiritually ascended world order that has enjoyed, that was enjoyed in ancient times before the rise of modern decadence. It reminds me of Oscar Wilde's beautiful quote, America is the only country to go from barbarism to decadence without civilization in between. <laughs> I love Oscar Wilde. Evola's vision is one of eternal, unchanging truth and ultimate stability, promoting his esoteric material and placing it alongside other esoteric publications becomes a gateway to his more challenging political material. Yeah, he does smuggle a lot in. Esoteric publishers, inner traditions, started reprinting Evola's work in translation in the 1990s. They, reprint, they printed Evola's Men Among the Ruins in 2002 with a foreword by scholar and esotericism of esotericism Jocelyn Godwin, who I had lunch with back in 2004 at the ASE conference. Really nice guy. And Moynihan's Dominion Press also later published a special hardback edition of this text. New right esoteric publisher Arctos has made publishing Evola's works in English translation a priority, in addition to publishing English translations of other new right activists such as De Benoit, Guillaume Fay, and extreme environmentalist Penti Lincola. Many introductions to Evola, however, can also be found through the many right-leaning esoteric and pagan journals which have emerged since 2000 and which seem to have skyrocketed in production since 2010. Many of these journals represent entryist tactics and provide an easy introduction to Evola and other New Right theorists for an esoterically-minded audience. Moynihan and Buckley's slick journal, Tear, was published, first published in 2002 and featured a mix of articles on Germanic mythology, Evola, De Benoit, Lincola, and interviews with neo-folk musicians. Since then, a number of New Right-inspired esoteric and pagan journals 
and magazines have appeared with, which combine political rhetoric with much less threatening folkish material. Troy Southgate, as well a well-known British New Right activist, has argued for the use of entry as tactics on his nationalist anarchist website. See Troy Southgate, The Case for National Anarchism, Entryism, National Anarchist Movement, September 18, 2010. As the publisher behind Black Front Press, he has delivered a number of anthologies devoted to the work of prominent esoteric figures such as Aleister Crowley, and also a journal devoted to esoteric thought and culture, Helios, a journal of metaphysical and occult studies. Additionally, the press has published editions related to the work of fascist-leaning literary figures such as Ezra Pound and T.S. Eliot. Southgate has claimed that these are neutral publications with no political agenda and that he attempts to get a variety of contributors, although this strategy of widening the contributor base naturally helps to legitimize the overall publication. Ultimately, the goal is to market these books and journals to the esoterically-minded reader interested in these topics and then include essays which more clearly represent a political perspective. The wider catalog of Black Front is not surprisingly a bit more pointed, including works on Hitler, national anarchism, and a compendium on the work of British New Right activist Jonathan Bowden. Other entryist tactics employed by the, new act, act, by the activists of the New Right have included wider participation in pagan and esoteric events through purchasing merchandise space and putting forward speakers and musical acts. The musical subgenre of neo-folk, which emerged in the 1980s, is another avenue of, political, of metapolitical engagement in the New Right. One which is hotly debated and which has also a significant pagan and esoteric fan base. See Stephen Francois, translated by Ariel Godwin, The Europagan Scene Between Paganism and Radical Right in Journal for the Study of Radicalism, 2008. Neofolk can be characterized as broadly related to industrial and various forms of heavy metal music, sometimes incorporated, incorporating elements of traditional European folk music. Thematically, the lyrics address European historical glory and heroism, as well as themes from Germanic culture, Julius Evola and the occult. Neofolk can be quite martial, and bands frequently reference fascist aesthetics in their appearance through wearing uniforms and camouflage. Shikovstov <laughs> argues that neo-folk, while steeped in the aesthetics and values of fascism, is not actually part of any organized political effort, although this assessment is highly debatable. There is no doubt that neo-folk appeals to and is being marketed as the soundtrack of the right-wing pagan movement and that it is nearly impossible to separate metapolitical activities from organized political outcomes even with when these cultural activities may not be actively affiliated with political organizations or candidates, they are directly informing and influencing movements and generating more activists. Most publishers and distributors marketing books to this market also distribute neo-folks titles, and in the case of Moynihan and British nationalist Troy Southgate, produce and promote the bands and distribute them along with New Right publications. Neofolk has served to legitimize the new right among pagans and to provide an emotional and immersive connection with these ideals, as well as creating communities for recruitment and dissemination of information. Some new right activists are more explicitly political, however, and being inspired by the martiality of Vola are outright promoting revolution. Publishers Arctos and Countercurrents both feature publications devoted to survivalist techniques and fictionalized accounts of revolution in the United States and support podcasts, conferences, and activist networking initiatives. Countercurrents Publishing, which is explicitly new right and white nationalist in orientation, is not as specifically targeted to the pagan and esoteric communities as is Arctos. However, they clearly serve and market to pagans and feature pagan material such as Tear and publish pagan writers such as Colin Cleary, in addition to publishing the works of Savitri Devi, which are classified as esoteric Nazism. My PhD, Dr. Fata, Nicholas Goodrich Clark, one of his first books was called Hitler's Priestess, Savitri Devi. So, I mean, this is, this is really important to understand how esotericism 
in a certain it was appropriate was fueled Nazism and um, how socialist ideology created Nazism. This is it's just something that we're getting very confused these days um, and needs to be understood. Um, the editors at Countercult Currents are actively promoting both metapolitical and more revolutionary solutions. In 2010, they published Michael O'Mara's Toward a Right White Republic, which explicitly fuses the ideals of the new right with white nationalism and calls for more direct revolutionary action. In general, pagans and esotericists have been very active in promoting and disseminating the ideas of the new right. While these new right activists may be attempting to promote these ideas among pagans, it is also important to recognize that pagan and esoteric new right activists and publications are also becoming influential within the wider arena of paleoconservative and white nationalist activity, perhaps providing a perennial list spiritual sensibility which reinforces and supports his, supports essentialist blood and soil ideologies. I'm uh, sorry for the beeps and the buzzes and stuff. I'm trying to get this off because I have a very busy day, but given what's gone on on Instagram today on my accounts and what's going on in the world right now, I really wanted to get this one out there. So I'm not doing as many, uh, keep, I'm not worrying about it being as clean and stuff like that, but I'm just getting this interesting, uh, this very useful academic point of view out there. Um, with some interesting information as well as my thoughts and notes on it because we really do need to understand some of this stuff. It's not about right or left. We're, I'm, I'm trying to go down the middle pillar here with you guys and um, the first step to dialogue is to understanding our history and understanding a, implicit and explicit agendas within groups, right? Like how can we get, how can we, how can we be so hoodwinked as to think that a socialist group that calls itself anti-fascist is not, in fact, fascist. It's extremely fascist. This is something that's got to be understood and because this is how fascism and Nazism occurred in Europe. This is what led to the world wars. Common frameworks. In addition to the idea that the new right is fashioning itself as a broadly pagan movement, or at least a movement where paganism is accepted and seen as a legitimate critique of the system, there are a number of ideological frameworks within contemporary paganism which make it very compatible with many New Right philosophies. Interestingly, a number of these cultural foci initially emerged from the relationship between paganism and the counterculture of the left in the 1960s. Perhaps most important of these are an interest in the preservation of folk traditions, anti-modernism, neo-tribalism, and environmental preservation. Within the articulated philosophies of the New Right, all of these features work together to produce an idealized vision of separated, isolated, ethnically pure polities, working in close relationship with land, embracing folk traditions, and promoting handicraft over industrial labor. Modern paganism and esoteric culture have been, has been variously characterized as a response to modernity, which both engages with and resists modernity simultaneously. For many pagans, part of their radical response to societal and cultural pressures is an embrace of anti-modernism, tradition, and the notion of an imagined past. In fact, the stance is not actually anti-modern, but alternatively modern. It's a very important point. This is what the author's sort of been leading up to. Contemporary pagan religions are absolutely a modern phenomenon, yet most rely on some sort of connection with an imagined past, frequently situated in pre-Christian European tradition. Nearly all paganisms today, despite the creativity of many of their rituals and celebrations, draw upon the idea of traditions from a pre-Christian past as part of their origin myth. Even esotericists, who may or may not identify culturally as pagans, generally believe in the inherent traditionality of their practices and beliefs, frequently situating them in the pre-Christian Western Hermetic tradition. The two features here, which resonate with the ideologies of the New Right, include the importance of tradition as a culturally guiding framework and the inherent challenge to the notion of progress. While many pagans may actually accept the notion of progress, and while many pagan rituals are extremely modern and creative, in general, the aesthetics and mythic origins of their religions privilege a religiously conservative framework and often structurally harken back to an imagined tribalism. 
while Baron argues that the right, new right itself is not anti-modern but alternatively modern, there is no doubt that the branding and marketing of the new right to pagans is predicated on anti-modern aesthetics and the return to an imagined pre-Christian pagan golden age. Read Tamir Baron, The French New Right's Quest for Alternative Modernity in Fascism, The Journal of Comparative Fascist Studies, Volume 1, 2012. Traditionally, for many pagans, tradition itself is authoritative and confers legitimacy on practices, which to many outsiders must might, appeal irrash, might appear irrational. Appeals to genetic models of cultural transmission, initiation, and continuity thus provide arguments for the existence of paganism within a diverse religious society. A primary key to this shared discourse is that there is a ten, the tendency to locate authenticity in essentialist ideas about culture and cultural transmission. We see this a lot in the, in the lineage wars and uh, all that bullshit. People who believe that culture and tradition are transmitted genetically and are inherently linked to place more, are more likely to find the ideas of the new right acceptable. Furthermore, the idea that there is a sacred link between people and place can inspire fixed ideas about the relationship between people and territory. It is almost ironic that this wider conversion, conversation about cultural preservation and a desire to not appropriate have created the new conditions, the conditions for the new right to be successful among pagans, particularly in the United States where pagans and practitioners of New Age religions have been accused of appropriating symbolism and practices from Native American traditions. Pagans have become especially sensitive to these complaints and wish to practice their religion with a sense of cultural integrity. In short, pagans do not want to be seen to be stealing traditions that do not belong to them. As a result, pagans feel as though they need to be able to legitimately claim ownership to the traditions they practice, which has led to an increase in ethnic, ethnic reconstruction paganism within the United States as people try to become involved with traditions they feel can legitimately claim as their own. The models for this type of practice tend to be heavily culturally bounded, using a genetic model of cultural transmission, one anthropologists recognize to be greatly flawed and incorrect, but which is a defining feature of new right ethnopolitics. What tends to be missing in this, however, is the explicit discussion of power dynamics and commercialization that underpins the discourses of cultural theft. Another place of common ground between pagans and New Right activists is the value placed on environmentalism and communion with nature. The degree to which environmentalism is part of the discourse and identity forming strategies of the various esoteric but non-specifically pagan identified communities has not yet been determined, but many definitions of paganism include the idea that paganisms are to be defined as earth-based spiritualities with the special reverence for nature and the understanding that div the divinity is inherent in nature. See Graham Harvey, Contemporary Paganism. For many pagans, natural preservation, the privileging of the rural and the emphasis of conducting religious ceremonies in non-urban environments directly demonstrates the human relationship and care for the earth as a living sacred system and as a, de and as a desire to work in harmony with the planet rather than destroy it. See Baron Taylor's Dark Green Religion, Nature, Spirituality, and the Planetary Future, Berkeley and Los Angeles, University of California Press 2010, provides a wide-ranging discussion of sacred environmentalism, including the position of paganism. Additionally, there is a tendency for pagans to become involved with environmental activism, which is another historical connection between paganism and the countercultural movements of the late 1960s. This is also perceived to be a value which does distinguishes modern paganism from particularly Christian traditions which are frequently believed by pagans to hold values which are exploitative of nature. In fact, the pamphlet What is Contemporary Paganism found on the Cherry Hill Pagan Seminary website states that indigenous religions and pre-Christian religions can provide a more authentic relationship to nature and the divine. Yes. My religion's better than yours. Didn't you know that? The new right generally embraces and promotes a form of radical environmentalism and environmental preservation that is consistent with their views of anti-modernity, anti anti-capitalism, and anti-industrialism. In short, 
This is a part of their wider endorsement of natural, organically defined ecosystems which are preserved and maintained free from outside intrusion. Finnish radical environmentalist Penti Linkola, Penti Linkola, who has been translated in, into English by esoteric New Right publishers Arctos, represent the type of radical environmentalist thinking which is being promoted by pagans by the New Right through such venues as Tyr. Linkola believes that the current condition of the environment is going to lead to an apocalyptic state which requires drastic measures to reverse, such as a total dictatorship, eugenics, and genocide. Linkola also, too, Linkola also argues that all technological advances must cease and that humans should revert to only small tool household agricultural production. People will only be allowed to travel short distances and immigration will not be allowed under any circumstances. Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski's anti-technological ideas are also promoted to pagans and esotericists by New Right publishers and are the environmental writing, as are the envir environmental writings of Savitri Devi, Hitler's priestess. You can see the, see the catalogs of both arctos.com and countercurrents.com. The strategy here for the New Right is to appear to both to the wider pagan interest in eco-activism and also to acknowledging common theoretical framework of the deep connection of people to their environment. In fact, this perceived relationship between people and the land wrapped in the discourses of both cultural and environmental, environmental preservation then become the justification for radical ethnic separatist politics and anti-immigration platforms. And there we have it. Look, I almost got through it in, a, in time to such a busy day. Sorry, guys, that this is not as clean as other things, but maybe the humanity of me reading it more authentically is, is something that will appeal to a few of you. After sharing one post today, of course, I got massively flagged and abandoned on many platforms, and it doesn't matter what I say. I'll be accused of this or that by either side. It doesn't matter, which shows to me that we don't understand our history, we don't understand terminology, we don't understand motivations, we don't understand why and where and how things are being done and for what their goals and reasons are, what their actual motivations are. We need to stop being hoodwinked by rhetoric and misuse of terms and co-opting of uh, certain mechanisms to uh, smuggle in uh, agendas that are fundamentally actually racist or actually sexist or actually xenophobic under even though they're being umbrellaed in as being anti that why now well, i'm definitely going to write to this professor and see if we can have a convo about things because she seems to have a sem sem you know a somewhat balanced point of view she's obviously obviously this is coming from a californian liberal left professor but it is a well-balanced piece that looks at the facts. And that's what we need to understand is why and how things are being smuggled into our communities. Because the last thing anyone who was on the path of spiritual transformation wants is to become a fucking bigot. Damn, now I have to put a total explicit warning on this, but seriously. Why now? It would appear that in the past five years, the new right has been steadily advancing its efforts to impact pagan and esoteric communities. David Griffin. Obviously, there are quite practical reasons why this may be occurring. Primarily the fact that communication technologies and publishing are making it much easier for activists to circulate their ideas. As a result, in the years between 2010 and 2012, there has been an increase in the number of journals, magazines, and podcasts which are devoted to promoting the new right. Overall, the world economic crisis and instability within the European Union in particular has also had an impact in making more space for the ideas of the new right. There has also been wider cultural activity within contemporary paganism, seeking to improve the public profile of paganism as a legitimate form of religious expression. To that end, there has been an increase in interest in developing pagan institutions and also an encouraging wider inclusion of pagans in public debates about religiosity and freedom of religious practice. In the past five years, within the pagan community, certainly in the United States, there has been an expansion of high-profile interfaith activities, the promotion of pagan seminaries, and pagan attempt, greater attempts at wider pagan outreach within institutions such as prisons and the military. 
Within the UK, pagans have been working more closely with bodies such as English Heritage on management of pagan sites. This is great. There is also an ongoing discussion concerning proper burial of pagan remains by archaeological researchers on the grounds that they are considered to be the ancestors of modern pagans. A rather inevitable consequence of establishing more socially acceptable images for paganism and greater cultural inclusion has necessitated tighter definitions of what pagan religion is and what it is not. And here we go. Frequently, definitions of paganism include a belief in this imminence of deity. Oh, she misspells, misuses imminence there. She has imminence of deity, like deity is happening now. She means imminence with an A, not with an I. Pantheism or polytheism and the sacrality of nature. Check out Altamira Press, Pagan Studies series drawn on these features, as does Cherry Hill Seminary. Cherry Hill Pagan Seminary refers to nature, ritual, lack of scripture, embodied revelation, and an interest in ancient and indigenous religious traditions as being key features of modern pagan practice, a set of descriptions which at times comes close to a noble savage paradigm. And here we see going full circle right back to the kind of bigotry that the whole resuscitation of Wicca and paganism was meant to <laughs> undermine the, a lot of a lot of our 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 work in humanitarianism has been done to realize that this image of the noble savage was in fact inherently racist against and now we have these very traditions that originally overturned that false understanding and that bias and prejudice of the initial colonials reappropriating re it for their own promotion. It's just, it's just anti-intellectualism and ignorance at its finest. Many pagan activists and leaders use comparisons with established indigenous religious transitions, traditions as touchstones to help make paganism more understandable and also more acceptable. Additionally, there has been a recent movement in the United States to establish modern paganism as a surviving European indigenous tradition, thereby conferring upon it the legitimacy of established discourses of oppression and colonization. Boom. Check out Sabina Magliocho and Lee Gilmore, Pagans at the Parliament Interfaith Dialogue Between Neo-Pagan and Indigenous Communities, paper delivered at the American Academy of Religious Annual Meetings, November 2011, San Francisco. In the place, uh, Lady Olivia, who founded this organization I've been working in for the last year, um, Fellowship of Vices, um, was the first pagan presenter at, the, uh, at that group, at the World Conference of Religions, whatever it's called. In this process, a number of debates have emerged, as some groups are now trying to promote some branches of paganism as more legitimately pagan than others. And, man, there, the other shoe drops. For the most part, all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. For the most part, some reconstructionist pagans and traditional witches who are not Wiccan, those who aim for some sort of accuracy in their reconstruction of European pre-Christian religion, are trying to claim they are more authentically pagan and that they possess some form of continuity and connection with historical pre-Christian European populations. Yeah, well, just like I'm more authentic than you because I have the secret chiefs on my side, blah, 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 blah. Wicca in particular is being reframed within this discourse as inauthentic and spurious in comparison. That's right, because there's only one truth, and my truth's better than your truth. <laughs> Paganism is thus being recast, not as the child of the occult revival of the 19th century, rooted in hermeticism and literacy, which it fucking is, but as a series, an in, of a series of indigenously rooted religious traditions. This emphasis on continuity, cultural integrity, ethnicity, and tradition is further increasing the potential for building relationships with the European New Right, which sees continuity and tradition as its ideological core and will nicely lead us into a third world war. That's my note, of course, not the author's. But hey, I'm reading this during the time of the... Uh, I'm in California, just down the street from someone who had their teeth shot out with a tear gas can for protesting the murder of you-know-who. <sighs> the new right is often billed as an intellectual, theoretically informed alternative to the neoconservatives in the U.S., 
and also the European nationalist parties, which are perceived as promoting a crass, racist agenda. The new right also presents a critique of materialist values and prom promises an enriched, spiritually enlightened future based on timeless, essential principles. I'm sure it does. Of course, it I, I hope this is making sense to some people. Some people are not going to get it and just go after me or unfollow me, but this is not my research. I'm just clarifying this interesting academic point of how we're, you know, many of us are being fooled into starting to believe things that we don't realize where they will lead to. And this is what happened with the Second World War, and this is what we have to avoid. Otherwise, we will fucking destroy ourselves. <clears throat> the New Right also presents a critique of materialist values and promises an enriched, spiritually enlightened future based on timeless essential principles, which in times of great uncertainty must seem attractively comforting. Yes, they do, of course. For pagans and esotericists, the ideals of the new right can potentially resonate with an attraction to an imagined past of simplicity, folk aesthetics, tradition, and pre-modern social orders. I'm going to, if you guys don't realize this, that shit never existed. It never, that's what, she's not saying that because she's writing to an academic audience who know that. Anyone in an academic field knows that shit never fucking existed, okay? As pagans continue to define their place in the modern world, however, an increasing desire for legitimacy through tradition based on authenticity may prove to be even more challenging. So this is how they're smuggling in right-wing ideology and bigotry is through the appeal to tradition and authenticity. We need to stop having this need for authenticity or legitimacy or lineage. Okay, you're a human being. Your spirituality is authentic and valid and full of the lineage of being a fucking incarnated spirit of divine light and love. That's what gives you authenticity, not fucking right or left-wing ideologies or political parties or protests or riots or any of that shit. Your spirituality should lead you to loving other people, not killing them. Perhaps increased internal conversations within both pagan and esoteric communities around the way in which legitimacy and authenticity is constructed will produce a more critical paradigm. I really hope so. We need to talk more and stop banning each other, deplatforming each other, calling each other names, and it's just insane. Which is less reliant on tradition and transmission as being ultimately authoritative. This will at least provide a more broadly analytical framework for assessing the assertions and platforms of the new right when they are encountered. Amen. Have a good day, guys. Stay safe. Also, speaking for myself and all the other immune-compromised people out there and old people or anyone who's vulnerable, please keep your masks on because it's you who won't notice it that we will get it from and die. And I've lost three people to this already, and it's horrible. It's fucking horrible. So... Just because there's injustice in the world doesn't mean that this fucking virus has gone away. And it will we've got it. where I'm living right now in Sonoma County, we've have we have an all-time high and it's climbing. It's we've this this breaking of these rules has led to an increase. Instead of increasing one day at one percent, it's gone to three to five percent and it's climbing up even higher than that now. And people are gonna fucking die. So healthy people should go back to work probably, but we have to keep social distancing and our masks on. Otherwise, we're just fucking murdering each other and those who are most vulnerable. A hundred years ago, celiacs didn't live past the age of two. So I'm lucky to be alive at all. I have other autoimmune diseases as well because they trigger each other. And I really don't want to die from this thing. Some of you, I'm sure, will hear my thoughts and comments on this article or think that me selecting this article means that I believe this or that politically, which I don't. I just believe in understanding history, like my mentor, Nicholas Goodrich Clark, dedicated his life to preventing something like Nazi Germany happening again. But here we see it happening again. And it's insane. Please get your shit together and stop being so abhorrent to peaceful dialogue. We do not need polemics. We do not need hate. We need love. We need compassion. We need understanding. Seriously. Thank you. Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature as well as educational videos. 
With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. That's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. And as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh, seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now. HermeticScienceEnterprises.co.uk